What's up, everybody? Hope you're having an absolutely fantastic day. This is Theology in the Dirt. At Theology in the Dirt, we want to help you as we are helping ourselves think about applying our worldview in the public square of our homes, our city, and our world. And so today we're going to try to do that, try to pull that off. And uh, we're glad you guys are listening. And so today I'm actually going to be flying solo just a little bit. And so, well, not just a little bit. I'm flying solo. And uh, next week, hopefully going to have a compadre in here as we tackle some questions and particularly a question we got by one of our listeners. And so, uh, man, we're glad you guys ride along with us. And we're glad you guys are asking good questions and helping us wrestle through practicing our worldview. And so anyway, today I'm flying solo. And so we're going to tackle a thought that I've had and a question that has been asked. And I think it's worth unpacking a little bit. And here's the question kind of to give you an appetite. Um, before we jump into uh, some overtime sports hot take uh, and then hit our main topic. Here's going to be the main topic, and, and that's this. Uh, way back uh, when when the vaccine for COVID was beginning to come out, um, one of the uh, predominant um, statements that was being made by Twitter prophets uh, and all over uh, the spectrum of Christianity was that uh, getting the vaccine was the proper Christian way to love our neighbor, or it was a, it, not everyone said the, they didn't put the definite article the in front of it, but they put a, an indefinite article in front of it as a way in which Christians properly in it, uh, showed love to their neighbor. Um, and I remember um, feeling some kind of way about that. So we're going to get into that in just a minute, particularly now as we're a couple of years down the road from that and, and seeing some of the evidence that we're seeing. Uh, and, and truth be told, many people are just avoiding the topic altogether and afraid to speak about it. And to some degree, um, I am, um, because it's very sensitive and people are very sensitive about it. Uh, but I think it's a question worth asking is, is or was that an appropriate way to show Christian love in light of a lack of evidence that it was actually beneficial. Um, There's a lot of faith being shown in a government uh, that uh, many may not have found very trustworthy to be promoting something to put in our bodies. So anyway, we're going to ask that question and I'm going to give you some thoughts about it. would love your feedback and thoughts about it as well. Hope you're not too sensitive about it. So we're going to jump into our, next segment before we go to our main topic. This is a segment on Theology in the Dirt called Overtime, in which we address some overtime topics, things that have been hanging in the background um, as we uh, have been listening and paying attention to what's going on in our world. And one of the topics that keeps popping up for some reason on my social media timeline and questions from other folks around around uh, uh, evangelical Christianity is the place of mission in the local church. And particularly, I've seen one uh, recurrent post is uh, the idea of show me a place in the Bible where uh, we're demanded to work around the world before we work at home. And, uh, and for some reason... The global enterprise of the faith, and particularly the work of the local church to engage around the world, uh, has been something that seems to be, at least in in, in my social media timelines, uh, brought into question. And being fresh off of just returning to the States um, late Sunday, uh, just for timestamp, today is Friday, 
um, and we got back late Sunday evening. And so just now beginning to get over the jet lag from working in one of the most rugged places uh, on the planet and dealing uh, with the implications of working in those places. And and by the way, where we were, we had the privilege of being some of the the first foreigners to pass through this particular village and uh, the first to ever be invited in to be able to sit down and talk in which we got to articulate the good news of the kingdom of Jesus Christ and his salvation and have dialogue with someone of another faith about what they thought about Jesus and the price paid to go such to such rural, difficult, rugged places and, and the effort to make the gospel known, like, is that required? Should we just not start at home? That's the question. And people say, show me in the Bible where it says that we are to uh, do that. And, and my response to that is very simple. Number one, um, it starts in the Garden of Eden. God gave Adam and Eve a command to multiply and fill the whole earth and subdue it, multiplying it, and be his co-regents in created order. Sin happens in Genesis 3. And then the nations in Genesis, before Genesis 12, at the Tower of Babel, are scattered throughout the whole earth. And then God calls Abraham to be his emissary to go and make sure all those nations that are scattered throughout the whole earth here the good news of who he is, his name, and how they may be saved. And so when Jesus comes in Matthew 28, 16 to 20 and gives us the Great Commission, Jesus isn't making something new up. This is the plan from the beginning. This was God's way of making sure his fame and his honor went throughout the whole earth. And that was that he would mobilize his church by command to go make disciples of every nation. He states it explicitly. And then how does that get worked out? Is that just theory? No. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus gives his disciples some clear instruction. And it's this. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Jesus doesn't say Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then to the ends of the earth. Jesus says Jerusalem and Judea and. It's and, not then. Meaning the local church's mission is here and there simultaneously. It's never a proposition of one before the other or one then the other. It's one and the other at the same time. The local church has a local presence and it is to be locally present and it is to have a global presence at the same time. And not to mention the fact that the entire context of the New Testament is the global work of the gospel in the local church. The gospel writers are writing their gospel tracks as evidence of the historical reality of Jesus as they're on mission, meaning they have gone and they are finding the need now to have a tract, a historical tract that points to the reality of Jesus. And so the gospels are written while on mission. Acts is written as the second installment of Luke's gospel message in which he recounts the historical work of the church to take the gospel to the nations. Paul's letters are written because he's on mission. He's left the church at Antioch, and he's taking the gospel from the home base of the local church to the nation. So the entire context of the New Testament is the local church on mission. So we don't miss the forest for the trees there, and we see the explicit command of God. And so the truth of the matter is the local church has a responsibility to be global at the same time. And we found the reality that the more global we are, the more effective we are in our local work. And so I think that's the answer. To that question. And now we move into the segment of Theology in the Dirt because sports has a worldview 
And that is our sports hot take. Sports take. Here we go. Here we are. I think this is huge. I think it's absolutely massive. And here's my hot take. Stetson Bennett. See, I'm a homer. Let's go University of Georgia. Stetson Bennett is going to supplant Buck Ballou as the most storied quarterback in the University of Georgia's history. Not only does he have the same amount of national championships as Buck Ballou, but he is on the verge of surpassing Eric Zire. He's on the verge of surpassing Matthew Stafford, and he is on the verge of even possibly this year surpassing David Green in the record books of statistics at the University of Georgia. And the crazy thing about Stetson Bennett is he's probably the most picked on and beat up quarterback in the history of the University of Georgia because he was a walk-on. But my sports hot take is that Stetson Bennett could be the most storied quarterback in the history of the University of Georgia. Mark that down and let's see if that is true. So that's our sports hot take. Feel free to send me yours by email, theologythedirt at gmail.com. And oh, by the way, we're recording from the world headquarters of Global Impact International Restoration Rome here in our amazing offices as we engage in the local and public square of foster care and adoption. And this amazing work, you can go to www.restorationrome.org and check it out and see how you can participate and see the amazing work that's happening here. And so you can send me uh, here at Worldwide Headquarters your sports hot take, also at the email of theologyandthird at gmail.com. Now we're moving to our main topic. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the main event of the evening. And now... Yeah, here we go. Our main topic for the podcast for today is the question is, was, or is getting the COVID vaccine a good way to show love of neighbor to folks around us? Now, here's here's my quandary. I remember when the vaccine was first coming out, seeing the Twitter prophets proclaiming that it was an absolute, um, and, and I may be overstating some of their cases, and some of you guys may have made this case, and feel free to correct me. You can send me an email, theologyinthedirt at gmail.com, but I remember looking at people's Twitter and social media, folks making some pretty bold statements that it was how we are to love our neighbor by getting this vaccine because it's a way we're going to prevent them from getting sick. And I remember the tone of those posts and even conversations with people being almost, um, it was being very um, persuasive. It's being to some degree condescending um, that if you don't do this, you're not tangibly loving your neighbor. I remember some of the initial questions for a lot of folks happened to be, well, what's in the vaccine? What's the long-term effect of that vaccine? And I mean from people who aren't anti-vaxxers, and I'm telling you right here, I'm not an anti-vaxxer. But here was my question. My question and the question of my family was, how are we to trust our government who gave an emergency use order for a virus that was questionable in its impact? Um, Now, that's not to mean that COVID didn't kill people. COVID did kill people, but it's also proven 
true that COVID was also uh, the cause of death with a ton of other comorbidities, right? Or should I say COVID was listed along with a ton of other comorbidities for a lot of other people. And a lot of initial COVID deaths were a result of poor treatment in the hospital, sticking people on ventilators who didn't need to be on ventilators. And so they got the vaccine and the Christian community, uh, the popular Christian community, the Twitter prophets, and those who are uh, of influence, particularly in the evangelical world, began to talk about how this was how we loved our neighbor, and you should do the same thing. But I'm just going to tell you from my perspective why I question that. Number one, um, my family uh, comes from a long line uh, of, of folks who were uh, sent west on the Trail of Tears by federal government who broke treaties with our people. Now, my direct descendants peeled off that Trail of Tears and, and intermarried with Europeans down to the point that uh, that our percentage is very low. But we have a oral history that stands and, and, and is proven, and you can look up the name and find the chief. And um, But we have long memories. And one of those memories is a federal government that tells you one thing and does another is a very... Uh, rich reality for us. And so there's an innate distrust, at least in my family heritage, of our of our federal government. And we don't have to go very far back in the recent history to find that the federal government also had a lot to do with suppressing of minorities. And I know that's not going to make a lot of people very happy. So my question was, in my family, why are we to trust a government who gave an emergency use order for a vaccine uh, without any trials? Why should we trust them? And why should we put that in us when we don't know the direct result of this quickly, uh, I mean, record-paced developed vaccine? Well, here we have now the, the, the privilege of hindsight. And what we see is that this, uh, this vaccine is minimally effective. And it's so minimally effective, you have to get multiple boosters, multiple boosters, multiple boosters. Now we have a president who has had uh, the vaccine and multiply boosted, still getting the stinking disease. And I'll tell you this, um, everybody in my family has the COVID antibodies, but none of us knows when we got COVID and none of us has had the vaccine. Now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying if you got the vaccine, you did anything wrong. You get the vaccine if you want the vaccine. I also believe there are some older people who needed to get the vaccine because it probably could have prevented them from getting uh, dying but for the general population, I think, particularly in the evangelical Christian world, to demand that that is the way we showed love to our neighbors is way off base. And I think what it did is it forced some people to get a vaccine that probably shouldn't have gotten the vaccine. And 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 as far as we know, we do not know the long-term effects of what that vaccine is going to do to their health. Because if you listen to the health experts, there, is, there are no long-term health consequences. But how do you know that? The reason we don't know that is because there was no trial. Those who got the vaccine are the trial. And so do we trust a government who's done some questionable things in the past? And listen, conspiracy theories are only conspiracy theories if there's no proof. Um, Conspiracy theories exist because there are reasons people distrust central governments. All you got to do is go look up in MKUltra. And if you Google MKUltra, you'll find some pretty nasty things that uh, the Central Intelligence Agency did to our citizens in order to uh, 
test the function of weapons-grade LSD on our own population. That kind of stuff is true. This is probably going to sound weird coming from, from a podcast, Theology in the Dirt, but these are things that are really out there. And so the idea that Christians should just innately, blindly trust the government by putting something in our body that they say is good for us and saying that's love of neighbor, in my opinion, goes very far in a direction we probably shouldn't go. Now, anybody who knows me um, and knows things I've said, I've never pressured anybody to get the vaccine, and I've never encouraged them to not get it. If people ask me, I ask them what do they think they need to do? What do they feel compelled to do? What does their health say they need to do? What does their doctor say they need to do? And then they should do that. Never compel them that one is Christian or it's not Christian. What I'm taking issue with are those Christians who said getting it was the Christian way to love neighbor. And that forced a lot of people and it guilted them into doing something they probably didn't really want to do. And so here's what I want to say. We need to be very careful at what we say is Christian and what is not Christian when it comes to people's health and how they handle themselves in regard to things such as vaccines. There are some things that are, yes, Christian. Example, um, if you get pregnant, giving life to your baby is a Christian value. Um, should you put a vaccine in your body? That's not innately Christian or not. It's a question of conscience, and it's a question of doing your research and finding out what's right and what's wrong. And so that's been on my mind for a while, and I wanted to hit that question, and by no means is this exhaustive. But it's bothered me for a while, and I've been hesitant to say it on social media because I don't want to get into social media tussle with anybody, but I figured a podcast was a great place to pose the question. And that is, was that truly a proper way to show love of neighbor when we didn't know what the results would be? And in fact, have learned that it's grossly ineffective. And so was the damage done more to the witness of Christ and his kingdom by saying that was a Christian thing to do? Or was more damage done by not getting it at all? And I think that's a worthy question. So if you listen to this and you're one of our listeners, I would love your thoughts on that. I'd love for you to send us an email at theologyinthedirt at gmail.com and tell us your thoughts. Those are my thoughts. They're by no means exhaustive, but it's been on my mind for a while. And I figured today, while it was a solo opportunity, I'd throw that out there for consumption and get your thoughts. Let you chop it up. Talk back to me. Tell me what you think, and we'll cover it at another time. Next time we come to you, going to have a guest in studio, and we're going to talk about a question that a listener sent to us, and it's about the place of medication uh, when it comes to dealing with anxiety and depression. Fantastic question. We're going to chop that up, and uh, we're going to try to bring our Christian worldview to it, do some research, personal experience, ask the question that our listener asked, and we'll try to come to some decent options in regard to that question. Hey guys, we're so grateful for you listening to Theology in the Dirt. We'd love it if you'd pass this podcast along. If you have any questions you want us to tackle, send us an email at theologyinthedirt at gmail.com and we are absolutely glad to do it. Listen, you guys have a great rest of your day and weekend. We'll see you next time. Out. I got this feeling inside my bones. It goes electric, wavy when I turn it on. Off from my city, off from my home. We're flying up, no ceiling when we in our zone. I got that sunshine in my pocket. Got that good soul in my feet. I feel that hot blood in my body when it drops. Ooh, I can't take my eyes off of it. Moving so phenomenally. Come on, like the
shoot when you did. 